Psalm 33, and we've, we've, we've looked at it uh, a couple of different times. We took the first nine verses a few weeks back, and then we looked at verses 10 through 15. And tonight we will conclude with verses 16 through 22. Now, if you need a little refresher since it has been a few weeks since we started the psalm, Psalm 33 starts out as a psalm of praise, a psalm of rejoicing, a psalm just praising God for who He is. Uh, it talks about singing God a new song, and it really just it just praises the Lord. It talks about the Lord's greatness, that He's the creator of all things, and that He's worthy of our praise. That's essentially what we see in the first uh, nine verses of the psalm. Uh, then in verses 10 through 15, uh, we see uh, God's judgment on the nations, if we can call it that. That is, uh, the Lord frustrates the counsel of, of the evil. Uh, no nation can stand against the Lord, but we as Christians are called to be a holy nation. And if we trust in the Lord, uh, He will bless us. And I'm not talking about the United States, although He would bless us there too, I believe. Uh, but I'm talking about as a holy nation as Christians. Uh, if we are faithful and obedient to the Lord, He will bless us. But when we're not walking faithfully to the Lord, we experience some consequences and some difficult uh, times. And uh, as the psalmist said in verse 12, happy is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Now, I believe, as I just said, that applies to us personally and also, I believe, as a, as a nation, with it being the 4th of July, I do believe that God uh, would bless us, but any other nation as well who would turn to Him. Uh, but sadly, there are a few nations in this world today that are really seeking out the Lord. And I believe we see the consequences of that all over our world, not just in our country, but uh, in many different places. Uh, we see at the end of the last passage that we looked at uh, through verse 15, we, we see where it talks about the Lord looking down for heaven. He, he sees all things. He's always watching us. And so that's just kind of a little recap of the first uh, couple of sections that we looked at from Psalm 33. So we will pray and then we will continue on. Father God, I come to you tonight and I pray that you just would hide me behind the cross. I pray that you take away the stresses and the worries and the anxieties of this world, dear Lord, that are on my heart and that may be on the hearts of others who are in here, dear Lord, things that uh, will cause distractions in our life, things that will weigh us down. I pray that you would free us from those things. I pray that we would find joy from being in your word today, God, that we would that we would eat it up. And just as we are strengthened by the food we eat on our plates, God, let us be strengthened by your words that we take in tonight. And so I pray that as we read your word and see your word, God, that your words tonight are what transform our heart and work in our life and cause us to trust you all the more. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 16. A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be delivered by great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. Now, he's saying a couple things that are important for us to realize. Now, he's speaking of kings and horses here, but the application, I think, uh, applies to us in many areas of our life. Now, a king is not saved by a large army, and a warrior will not be delivered by great strength. Now, sometimes we may be guilty of trusting in our strength. Or we may be guilty of trusting in our military if we want to look at it from a, from a national perspective. There may be times that we put our focus 
in our worldly abilities and what we can do and what we have and what we have accumulated. Uh, We put our security and we put our trust in those things. But the psalmist tells us here, not even the mighty warrior, as strong as he may be, the mightiest warrior cannot stand against God. Now, David is almost certainly who wrote this psalm, and David would have known full well what it means to go against a mighty warrior with full strength, as you may recall the story of David and Goliath. Now, Goliath was the strongest man. He had all the strength that you could possibly want. And David was a young boy who only had a sling and a handful of rocks. But who won that battle? It was David who won that battle. So these words that David are saying, he's not just making stuff up. He's speaking from experience that he knows. Look, when we have the power of the Lord on our side, and we do if we are his, if we are a child of God, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then guess what? We do have the power of the Lord on our side. So no matter who comes against us, no matter what strength they have, David is saying here, look, even the strength of the strongest person is not going to stand against the power of the Lord. The same could be said of the king. Even though he may have a large army, the power of God can thwart a large army. Again, there's another good illustration of that in Scripture that we've looked at just in the last year or so as we were going through the book of Exodus. Now, Pharaoh had lots of men. He had lots of army. He had soldiers. He had chariots. He had horses. He had all of these things. Now, the Israelites were enslaved. They had nothing except for the power of God. Who won that battle? Well, it was God and the Israelites. Uh, Pharaoh and, and his army and all of their chariots began to, to come after the Israelites to chase them down. Uh, Pharaoh wanted revenge. He wasn't happy that he let them go. And off he was going to go and he was going to get them back except for one thing. And that one thing was the Lord. And no matter how big Pharaoh's armies were, no matter how fast his chariots and horses were, they could not stand against the power of the Lord. And guess what? That is still true today. We serve the same Lord today. When we who are Christians are up against an enemy that looks bigger than us, we never need to fret and say, boy, there's no hope. There's no hope. We're outnumbered. The rest of the world is against us. This is going wrong. That's going wrong. There's no way that this is going to work out and things are going to change, except for one thing. That is, we have hope in the Lord. And these are just a couple of stories. We see plenty of, 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 of things throughout Scripture where the Lord is there to deliver His people. So we need not fear when we see the strength of others coming against us, even if they may be bigger and stronger than us, nor do we need to be those who trust in our own strength as opposed to trusting in the Lord. Because if we are Christians, if we are followers of Christ, then we, we, we don't want to trust in our own strength. When we come to Christ, what we are saying is, God, I surrender to you. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. Verse 17, the horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. Now here it's talking about a horse, but are there things in our life that, that, that we put hope into that's really a false hope? 
The horse is a false hope for safety. Are there things in our life that we say, boy, if I have this in place or that in place or this in my life or that in my life, then I'll be safe. Then I'll be okay. Then I'll be taken care of. Do we have those things in our life? Now, it may not be a horse. It may not be an animal. But there may be something that we have to put too much emphasis on and we place uh, too much uh, too much trust in. That is, we find our security in that, thinking if I just have whatever it may be, you fill in the blank there, then I'm okay. Then I can feel secure. Then I can breathe easy. When that's not at all what God calls us to do. He doesn't calls, call us to do that. He calls us to trust in Him. Now, that's a hard thing for us to do maybe sometimes, even as Christians, and it's something I think that as we mature, we probably get better at. We probably uh, get better at trusting the Lord as we mature because we begin to see the Lord better in His Word. We begin to see how the Lord has worked in our own lives. And so we build from our experiences and seeing what God has done. And as a result of that, I hope and I, I believe that probably for most Christians it's the case that our trust in the Lord begins to grow. Let us not put false hope in the safety of something else that may be in our life, but let us trust in the Lord. Because ultimately, uh, either the Lord will get us through whatever we're going through, or He will not if it's not His will. Now, we need to make wise choices and wise decisions in living for Him, but we never want to put too much trust in other things and not put trust in the Lord. Verse 18, Now the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, those who depend on His faithful love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Now, this is something common that we see in Scripture, and that is the idea that we are to fear the Lord. Now, that's exactly what we should do. We should fear the Lord. And you may be saying, well, why should I fear the Lord? I mean, God loves me. God is gracious to me. Well, He does love you, and He is gracious to you. But when we talk about fear, there is a good fear, and there is a bad fear. Now, we've talked about different emotions of God uh, and, and different emotions several weeks back. We talked about how sometimes emotions that we experience uh, can be a good thing or they can be a bad thing. Now, when it comes to fearing the Lord, there is a good fear. There is, there is a fear that will... That will uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there is a fear, uh, like let's say a, a deer in a headlight type fear, a fear that will paralyze us. There are some fears that we have that will cause us to do nothing. There are some, some fears that we have that will cause us to stand still and not move because we're so afraid. What if I do this? What if I do that? And we're just, we're just boom, it's just coming at us. And that fear has debilitated us. There is another fear, instead of making us not move at all, it makes us move really quickly. And so fear is a good thing, if it's used in the right way. Now, if you are a deer in the headlight, so to speak, well, if you don't move and you're in the middle of the road, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get run over. But if you're a deer in the headlight, so to speak, and that car comes and you say, whoa, there's a car coming, i got to get out of the way. If that fear causes you to stand still and, and, and it crushes you and doesn't allow you to, uh, to get out from under it, then that's a bad kind of fear. But if, a fear, if it's a fear that, that causes you to move out of the way uh, to get to safety to do what's right, then that's a good fear. 
Now that's the fear that I believe that God would have us to have of Him. A fear that is, boy, when we see something's wrong, we say, boy, I better not do that. God doesn't want me to do that. I want to be obedient to God. I fear Him. He's the God of the universe. He's the creator of the heaven and the earth. I have surrendered my life to Him. I want to serve Him. And boy, I've been sinning. That should be some fear in my life because one day I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. And that type of fear for the Christian should, and I believe usually does, have the effect that, oh no, I don't need to be doing this. And it causes us to stop. It causes us to move out of the way. It causes us to go in a different direction. Now, this is no different than uh, if you uh, have a child. Uh, We were all in this room children at one point. uh, And some of you have raised children up to this point. I'm assuming probably just about everybody in here has. And there is a certain fear that a child may have of their parent. That is, they're fit to do something wrong and they think for a second, oh, if I do this and mom and daddy find out, I'm going to be in big trouble. Guess what? That's fear. And sometimes the kids just do it anyway, and guess what? They get in trouble. But other times, after they've gotten in trouble a few times and they think, I don't know, mom and daddy's going to be bad, that fear causes them not to do what is wrong. And that's the same type of fear we should have of the Lord. Uh, the same type of fear that, let's say you see a hot, uh, hot pot boiling on the stove and you pull that hot pot down on you and it burns you. Well, guess what? Next time you go by a hot pot, you're probably going to take an extra step back. You're going to learn, I can't grab that thing. It's hot. It'll hurt me. We just saw that uh, Sunday afternoon at uh, frying, uh, French fries. Fish grabbed the thing and it was hot and he jerked his hand back. And guess what he did from then on? He put on a glove and he wore it. He learned his lesson. He learned it. Oh, I'm, I'm scared of that. He, he went to reach it one time and he forgot. Oh, I can't touch that. He caught himself because he was afraid that he was going to get burned. And so his fear kept him safe. And we need to have a fear of the Lord. It's a healthy fear that God wants us to have. But it's really fear. It's a real fear that will cause us, if we seek the Lord and genuinely want to serve Him, that will cause us to turn from our sin or maybe even avoid sin when we say, I'm not doing that, I've done that before, and I know the consequences of that. I'm going to go completely the other way around that. Now the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. That's good news. If we fear Him, God is watching over us. God is with us. God is going to take care of us. Because generally, when we fear the Lord, we are walking close to Him, and we are obedient to Him. Those who depend on His faithful love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. That is, the Lord will provide for us. He will take care of us. It mentions a famine here. We see one good illustration of that uh, in Scripture, uh, in Genesis and in Exodus. That's why uh, that the Israelites were in Egypt, because there was a famine in the land. And Joseph, who was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, had made his way up the ranks with Pharaoh and was second in command in Egypt, if you remember. And Uh, because Joseph was there, they were prepared for the famine, and only Egypt had land, and that's why the Israelites came to Egypt in the first place. And during the famine, God provided for His people, and God will provide for us too. Now, God does take care of us, uh, but sometimes we have to be careful when we think about, okay, God's going to take care of us and meet our needs, because oftentimes... The things that we may, we may say are our needs may not actually be needs. And what God provides us with may not match up to our standards, but it is what God knows that we need 
to get by. Now, this is kind of a tough verse to kind of wrap my head around. I spent some time thinking about this today, that to deliver them from death and to keep them alive from famine because one story that I thought of was the story of Lottie Moon. Most of you may have heard of Lottie Moon before. She was a missionary to China back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. And she greatly loved the people who she went to minister to. Except there was a famine in the land. And because there was a famine in the land, everybody in the land was suffering. The people that she loved were dying. They were starving to death. Now she was a missionary and she did have some funds and some means to get food for herself. But not much. Just enough for her. But as she saw the other people around her who were dying, who were starving... She took her own food because of the famine and she began to give it to other people, eventually starving herself to death. Now, you may think of a story like that and think, well, boy, that's pretty intense. She she did die in the famine. She she did exactly what it said God would uh, protect us from in those famines. What are we to make of verses like this? And I began to think about her story and her situation and I was thinking, her life wasn't taken from her by the famine. Her life was given for those whom she loved. Now there's a big difference there. And I think there's a good lesson there for us as Christians. That when we are obedient to the Lord, when we are faithful to Him, and when we love like He loves, it changes our whole attitude. And you say, boy, that's a sad story. No, it's not. It's a beautiful story. It's exactly what she wanted. She followed the very example of Jesus Christ. In that, she looked around and saw all those people who were dying and said, if I can help them, I will give my life to help them. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. Her life was not lost because of the famine. Her life was given because of love. Now that's a beautiful example for us to go by. And you say, well, well, why did God take her? She was such a good woman. Well, look at what happened because of what she did. Because of the sacrifice she made, because of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we take now, do you know how many, probably millions of people have been affected by that? Way more than she would have reached in her lifetime. Had the Lord have kept her alive for another 20 or 30 years, she may have reached thousands more people. But because of the love she had to serve the Lord, and because the Lord saw fit to take her home when He did, the impact of her life is reaching for years and years and years and reaching way more people than she would have ever reached on her own. See, God knew what He was doing. God knew exactly what He was doing when He took her home. He was not unfaithful to her. It's not that God wasn't watching out for her. It's that God was watching out for her. And her trust in the Lord was greater than her trust in anything else. Now, we may say, we may not be quite on the level as Lottie Moon. I know I'm not. I would be tempted to say, boy, I know those people are starving, but i got to take care of myself too. How can, I, how can I take care of them if I don't keep myself healthy first? I heard a preacher say that once. He said, I'll always be at the front of the line. I'm going to get the biggest piece of chicken because if I ain't eating good, then I can't take care of the flock. Well, I think that's horrible. I think that's a horrible misunderstanding of what God's Word says. I don't think that that should be our mindset, whether we're a pastor or not. Our mindset should not be, let me take care of myself first so I can take care of somebody else later. I think Lottie Moon gives us the example, the example of Jesus Christ, and that is consider others as more important than yourself. That's Philippians chapter I won't tell you, chapter 2, verse 8, I think. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but, but we see that clearly taught in the Bible. And, and, and we see verses like this, and yes, God will take care of us, but there are times that when we are really trusting in the Lord that we may be willing to do without and give our lives for other people. And that's exactly 
what Lottie Moon did. She didn't die because of famine. She gave her life because of love. And there's a big difference in those two things. Verse 20, we wait for Yahweh. Boy, there's a good one. We see that sometimes in Scripture. We see that and we need to be reminded of that because that's exactly what we have to do sometimes. We have to wait for Yahweh. Now that's exactly the opposite of what our culture will tell us. We want everything right now. I know I do. You may not. Just the other day we had some issues with our internet. We're without internet. And everything we do is on the internet. You want to watch TV? You want to do that? You want to do this? You want to tell Alexa to turn on the lights? All this high-tech stuff. Can't do it because you ain't got any internet. I want internet because I want to check the weather and I want to check it now and I want it to be fast and I want it to work. And we can't get it now. And so now everything is slow. And that's sometimes the way it is with the Lord. Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. He may cause a situation to occur in our life, and boy, we're really sad about it. We're really bummed about it. It's really hard. We're really heartbroken, and we're praying, God, help me. But God will get us through it in His time if we trust Him. Now, if you're not getting through it instantly, it may not be that your faith is not what it should be. It may not be that you're not trusting in the Lord the way that you should. Now, it could be, but it could also be that God is trying to teach you something through this. God gets us through those hard times and brings us out stronger in the end. Oftentimes, our trust is tested in those times. But what we must do is we must wait on the Lord. And we don't know what God is doing most of the time. We don't have a clue what He's doing. He's working on a part of us that we didn't even know was broke. And he, he, he gets through the process that he's going through and we make it through and everything's better. And we see an area where we've been strengthened thinking, golly, Lord, I didn't know that. Or as soon as he gets us through it, we encounter somebody else that's going through the same thing. And we can give them words of encouragement through Scripture. And we can say, wow, if I hadn't just gone through that, I would have never been able to help that person. So we don't know why God does what He does. But if we are praying to the God, uh, praying to God, then we need to pray that His will be done and that we wait on Him as long as it should be. A few days or a few years, in some instances, as hard as that may be. We wait for Yahweh. He is our help and our shield. Now, no matter what enemies are coming against us, as we saw at the beginning of this passage, no matter how strong they may be, no matter how much they may be pressing in on us, whether it be a person or a situation or something in our life, we wait for the Lord. Because who else are we going to wait for? Who else is going to be our shield? Who else is going to be our strength? Who else is going to fight for us to overcome the forces of evil? Well, there's nobody else we can wait for. We're not waiting for the Avengers. We're not waiting for Hulk and Iron Man and Captain America. While as good as they are on the movies, even, even if they were real in real life, they could not save us from all of our troubles and from the enemy that is coming against us. We don't wait for our own strength. We don't wait to go to the gym so that we can get strong enough to defend ourselves. We wait for the Lord, and we trust in Him, and we trust in His strength, and we know that His shield will come just at the right time and not a moment before, just like the Israelites. There comes the Egyptians coming at them. They're coming at them. Oh, oh, what's going on? They're waiting on the, on the, on the, the seas parting, and they're coming, and they see those, those Egyptians coming. They're probably trying to hurry to get out from, from the sea, and as they get all out, just as the Egyptians are coming at them, bam, sea closes up on them and destroys all of them. And just at the right time, just when it may seem like, oh, the enemy's going to come, the enemy's pushing in, there's nowhere else we can go. At just the right time, God provided for and took care of and shielded His people. For our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. Now when we are really trusting in the Lord, our hearts do rejoice in Him. 
When we're not trusting in the Lord, usually we're saying, God, are you going to do anything or not? God, do you even care? God, are you even listening? God, I don't... You're not the same God I thought you were. We may get angry with God and we may have all these thoughts going through our mind when we don't trust the Lord. But when we do trust the Lord, we will have joy in Him. Now, we look at people like Lottie Moon and you know what I believe she had in her life? I believe she had joy because she was trusting in the Lord. She wasn't trusting in the food she got. She was trusting in the Lord to do a work in her life and it cost her her life. But I believe that she died with joy because she was being obedient to the Lord. Now, we might not have joy in our life, and it may not be because we're not trusting in the Lord. That may be the reason why. It may be because there's sin in your life. It may be something else, but it could be this very reason. Those who trust in the Lord have joy in their heart. And if we don't have joy, then it may be because we're not trusting in the Lord. Verse 22, May your faithful love rest on us. Yahweh, we put our hope in you. Now, we know where David put his hope. We see it really clear right here at the end of this chapter. David says, we put our hope in you. Can you say that in your life? If you really sit down and think and pray about it, and I know on the cuff you said, oh yeah, I trust in the Lord. Yeah, I know probably deep down we trust in the Lord ultimately. We've given our life to Him. But are we really trusting the Lord in every area of our life? Are there some areas and some things that we're not trusting in the Lord? We want to be those that we can say this statement. As individuals and as a church, God, we put our trust in you. God, we put our hope in you. If our hope and our trust is not in the Lord tonight, then we need to check ourselves and we need to go to Him and we need to be those people who do hope and trust in God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words and I pray that they would strengthen us, God, and give us encouragement. God, if we're not trusting in you, if we're trusting in other stuff, and it's natural to do, it's very tempting, God. I pray that we would trust you in everything, knowing that sometimes times will be hard, dear Lord. Trusting you doesn't guarantee us that everything's going to be easy, but it does guarantee us that you'll be with us. God, and if we trust you, even in the hard times, if we're genuinely doing it, we'll find joy in you, and I hope that you help us to find that joy in our life, that we mature as Christians, that we learn how to be those who give selflessly, who love others more than we love ourselves, who follow the example of Jesus Christ, who follow the example of Lottie Moon, dear Lord, and that we love others so much that we're willing to do anything for them. And God, that takes time and that takes a lot of maturity, but I pray that you help us to get there. That we don't settle and just say, oh God, that's too hard, I can't do it. No, God, that should be what we strive for, and I pray that you help us to one day get there. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.